0: Today we honour our mothers, because they are indeed a special breed. And we can say how blessed are those who have had good and kind mothers. Even some who were not professing Christians. Nonetheless, they were good mothers and uh, have been used of the Lord in people's lives. But how greater still, I would say, the privilege of having a godly mother a praying mother, a mother of great faith. In the Bible, we read of many such women, good and godly mothers. No doubt you'll have heard of many of them, you've read of them, perhaps studied their lives. And some of them, there's a lot written of them, some there's not so much written of them. Some of them are named, some of them are not named. Even in the book of Hebrews we have a list of people toward the end of chapter 11 and their names are not given but they're recognized by the Lord for their service. But in scripture we can think of the mother of Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Godly woman. One who along with her husband was not going to give up her children to the enemy. Was willing to hide Moses. Made him a little... Basket, little crib out of bulrushes and hid him amongst the rushes. And uh, she had his best in mind all the time. The Bible speaks of her in Hebrews 11 also. We think of the mother of Samuel, Hannah, a woman of prayer, a woman who was greatly burdened because she didn't have any children and the Lord had withheld children from her womb. But she took it to the Lord in prayer. God answered her prayer and gave her a son whose name means asked of God Hannah a godly praying woman we can think of the mothers of Samson of Timothy and even of our Lord because Mary was a godly mother the handmaid of the Lord one who we read in Luke chapter 1 And chapter 2 was willing for all that God had for her. How blessed are those people who can testify, my mother prayed for me. You may have heard of Augustine of Hippo. Great theologian. Mighty man of God. But what you may not have known was in his unsaved days, he was a profligate, a prodigal, A young man who lived in sin and wickedness, but who testified when he was converted that it was as a result of the prayers of his mother, Monica. There are some, just like Augustine, through the centuries, through the years, that have been rescued from spiritual shipwreck and disaster by a mother's prayers. We should never underestimate the prayers of a godly mother. The great theologian and preacher J.C. Ryle said, Where there is a praying mother, there is always hope. And such is the case before us in Matthew chapter 15. Because we read from verse 22 about a mother. She's referred to as a woman of Canaan. Uh, We often refer to her as the Syrophoenician woman what's interesting about this woman is she has a counterpart in the Old Testament. You may remember that Elijah went to a Gentile area to a woman of Sarepta, as, is, as she's called in the New Testament, or Zarephath, as it is in the Old Testament. It's the same area. It's the very same place where all these centuries later, there was a woman, a mother, who encountered the Lord Jesus Christ. And just like that mother in the Old Testament who was greatly blessed in that Elijah brought her son back to life. Here's a woman in the New Testament whose daughter was grievously vexed with a devil. And she came to the Lord, according to Matthew 15:22, and she cried unto Him, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed With a devil. She comes to the Lord as a heathen, as a Gentile, as a pagan. As one who realizes that she doesn't have any claim upon him. And that is made clear by the Lord's first reaction. Because you'll see in verse 23, but he answered her not a word. And that to us might appear to be rude. That to us might appear to be something that we can't understand. Here's a poor woman. She's crying to the Lord and the Lord doesn't even bother to answer her. And it actually gets worse. Because he says in verse 24 in answer to the disciples who were fed up with her crying because she didn't just... Shout this one time. She continued to do it. When it says in verse 23, His disciples came and besought Him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. The sense of that is, she keeps on crying after us. We're fed up with it, Lord. This woman is following us. She won't let us alone. And the Lord seems to be agreeing with them initially. Because he says in answer, verse 24, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This woman can hear this. She's not one of Israel. She's a Gentile. She's a Syro-Phoenician, And she could well have been so discouraged by the Lord's response. First of all, not even speaking to her. And then when he does speak to a third party, in a way in which she can hear it, He seems to discourage her even more. No point in me crying after him because he's sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course he's referring to his initial ministry. He's not referring to his ultimate purpose. Because the Lord's ultimate purpose was to bring a people in from everywhere. Many shall come from the east and the west he said and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the Gentiles. But initially, in his purpose, he came to the Jewish nation. He came unto his own, John tells us in John chapter 1. But then it says his own received him not. But this was an amazing incident. In that this woman continued to seek after the Lord, even though she was discouraged. And we'll come back to that. But you might wonder why... This was the way that it was. Well, you have to understand that those who lived in that area were viewed by the Israelites, by the Jews, as pariahs, as dogs, as the offscouring of all things. In fact, we're told by commentators. That some of these among the Jews were taught that even brushing up against a Gentile would cause defilement to them. Couldn't even go near them. And so here's the Lord Jesus Christ and he journeys for the first and last time in his earthly ministry into Gentile territory. Into a ritually unclean place. And there he meets a woman who he describes in verse 28 as a woman of great faith. Now the Lord often condemned a lack of faith, didn't he? But there's only two times in the New Testament when the Lord ever spoke about and commended great faith. This is one incident, the other is in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 10. And there the Lord is referring to another person, a centurion, And the Lord said unto those that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Is it not remarkable that here's another Gentile, and the woman of Sarah is a Gentile, and they're the only two, not Israelites, but heathens, pagans, Gentiles, of whom Jesus said they had great faith. This woman is a mother of great faith. And I could say a lot today about what God's purpose was initially in saving men. Obviously he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, he makes that clear. But we also discover in the Bible that the Lord has a great purpose of grace toward others. The spreading out of God's mercy to include the Gentile nations was prophesied in the Old Testament. And it was actually prefigured in a few instances. You think of several prominent people who were Gentiles in the Old Testament who were converted. We think of Rahab, who was a harlot living in Jericho. She was not of Israel, but the Lord saved her. She's described as a woman of faith in Hebrews 11. We think also of Ruth the Moabite being from Moab, she shouldn't even been able to come into the congregation of the Lord up to ten generations. But the Lord had mercy upon her. With Christ's coming, the blessings that were granted to Israel were destined to reach the Gentiles in an increasing way. And so what is happening here with this Syrophoenician woman is really, as one put it, A picture in microcosm of what Jesus promised was going to happen in God's purpose. Remember those words in John 10 verse 16 And other sheep I have which are not of this fold them also I must bring and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. As we read of this woman we see that she is a picture of a praying mother. On this Mother's Day, we may look to her and think about her as as an example of God's grace, first of all in saving her, but also in showing mercy to her daughter for whom she prayed. And I want to speak today on a mother's prayers As I referenced earlier, J.C. Ryle said, There is always hope where there is a praying mother. And that's what we have here. Verse 22 introduces her to us. And the first thing it says about her is that she cried unto him, that's unto Jesus, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou Son of David. Look at the knowledge that she has already. She's a Gentile, but she's got some knowledge of who Christ is. I don't know where she got that knowledge. Ultimately, that knowledge came from the Holy Spirit. But she must have found out some way, somehow, who this man was. She had heard of Jesus. She knew that he was the Lord. She knew that he could have mercy. She knew that he could help in the situation. She knew that he was the son of David, which is a wonderful title of Christ, King David's greater son. And she came to him, you might say, in prayer and supplication. She has a sinful and tormented daughter who needs the Lord, and she brings that daughter to the Lord in prayer. The Bible teaches us (coughs) that intercession is that which God calls for from His people. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2. And you will see there the exhortation that Paul gives to the Lord's people in which he speaks of prayer under different headings, different ways of describing prayer. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, I could speak about each one of those and expound each one of those, but I just want to focus on that word intercessions. What is intercession? It's simply prayer on behalf of other people. When you are an intercessor, you're praying for somebody else. And here's a woman who prayed, we could say, for her daughter. One who could not, at this point, pray for herself. She was grievously vexed with a devil. I'm not sure all that was going on in this young woman's life. We can read also in Mark chapter 7 the same incident. But it seems that she was in a position where she could not pray for herself. So here's a mother who brings her daughter before the Lord. John Ryle said, Hopeless and desperate as her case appeared, this daughter had a praying mother. And where there is a praying mother, there is always hope. And I say that to mothers here and other mothers who may be watching on or listening later on some of you perhaps can vouch for this by personal experience I certainly can I am so thankful for a praying mother just on Friday last two friends of ours were buried in Northern Ireland older gentlemen Brother John Todd who I mentioned last Lord's Day and another man, our namesake but not related to us as far as I know his name was Reggie Hamilton great brother in the Lord great prayer warrior I remember when Reggie wasn't so well the last time I was in Northern Ireland I visited him in his little apartment and I remember him saying to me oh he says things are not the same anymore in the martyrs church prayer meeting since your parents are not there and they started talking about my mother and father, how when they would pray in that prayer meeting, what a, what a lift it gave to the whole prayer meeting. And I thought about that. My mother was a woman of prayer. I heard her pray many, many times in our home. I heard her pray in prayer meetings at church. One of my earliest memories as a little child, growing up in Belfast, I might have been something like three years old, was her kneeling by our sofa and me climbing up on her back and pretending she was a horse and my mother trying to pray she prayed out loud and I remember hearing my mother Lord we pray that's the way it was she never stopped and she used to pray Lord rend the heavens and come down that the mountains might flow down at thy presence It was one of her favorite prayers. But that sticks with you. That stays with you. And I remember the day that I told my mother that God had called me into the ministry. She said, Son, I've never told you this before, but that's something for which I prayed even before you were born. Now, the wisdom in that is that she could have told me through the years, I'm praying the Lord will make you a minister. How would that make me feel? I would feel like I was bound to do it. I would have to do this. I mean, how could I not do this when mom has been praying? But very wisely, she never told me that, ever. Never one time did she hint at it. Until that day when I told her by phone, Mom, I believe the Lord's calling me into the ministry. She said, Stephen, I prayed for that before you were born. In those days, they didn't know that they would have a boy or a girl. You, You took what you got, like I said before no gender reveal parties in those days but my mother had a notion in her mind that this was a boy and she talked to my father about it she loved the story of Stephen the first Christian martyr she told me through the years every single time she read that story of Stephen she cried every single time and she said Lord if I have a boy you give me a boy I'm going to call him Stephen here we are And she said, Lord, make him a preacher. I am so thankful for a praying mother. And that's one thing I miss about her, probably more than anything else. is the fact that I could call her up and ask her to pray about something. I miss my mother's prayers. But the prayers that she prayed in life are still being answered. They're still before the throne of God. And that's true of others as well. If you have a praying mother or you had a praying mother, thank the Lord for that. Thank the Lord for that. But the the wider point is that believers need to be praying for their children. We can't save them. Oh, how we would love to carry them to the cross. Children that are not saved. We would love to make them get saved. We would love to force them to be saved. That goes for all of our relatives and our loved ones. We would love to just lift them and carry them to the cross. But we can't. Except on our knees. We can't save them. We can't impart new life to them. We can't give them new hearts or new desires. We can't make them serve God and obey His word. But here's something we can do we can pray for them, we can bring them to the Lord in supplication. Isn't this what Job did every single day? What a godly man was Job! The Holy Spirit gives a wonderful testimony of him, you know. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. Ten children. And the Bible says in verse 5, that when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them, and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. So in other words, he offered ten offerings. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. He brought his family to the Lord in prayer all the time. Here's a woman, a mother that we're considering in Matthew 15, who had great faith. It was Jesus who said that. O woman, great is thy faith. I know what great faith does. Great faith always leads to great praying. It always does. And so this woman prayed unto the Lord. You'll notice a number of things about the prayer of the Sarah woman. It wasn't lengthy. It was brief. Sometimes it has been said. <clears throat> Brevity is born of urgency. You think about Peter when he was sinking. He just said, he cried. He said Lord save me. There was no time for what we would call waffle. <clears throat> there was no padding in the prayer. You know we can do that in our prayers. We can, we can pad them out. With verbiage. We're not even asking for anything. We're just talking. Peter was urgent. He wanted an answer. And he he cries, Lord, save me. And what do we have here with this woman? She said, Lord, help me. Verse 25. Lord, help me. That's a great prayer, isn't it? It's to the point, it's specific, it's not lengthy. But it is a prayer that came from her heart. She was anxious to get an answer from God. A mother's prayers don't have to be lengthy, but they can be burdened as well as brief. She came with a very sad and sore heart to call on the Lord. We see that from the way that she prayed. The word that's used there in verse 22 is she cried unto him. She cried unto him. Or as it is there, she besought him. That's the word. She besought him. And you'll find that in Mark chapter 7. The thought here is that she kept on begging him not kept on bugging him she kept on begging him kept on praying why? because she was burdened and by the way that's true of Hannah as well I was just reading about Hannah this week if you go back to First Samuel at the very start of that book the story is given of the mother of the man whose name gives us the book 1 Samuel chapter 1 and it introduces us to this man Elkanah he had two wives some have conjectured that it may have been a situation where he was married to Hannah but because she couldn't have children she suggested that he take another wife which is against the law of God polygamy but he did it Hannah had no children but Peninnah had children and so it could be, I don't know if it's the case or not, it could be that it was at Hannah's suggestion that he took this woman. But we don't know that. But all we do know is that Hannah was burdened. And the Bible tells us that she was in the house of the Lord. Verse 7. The Lord had shut up her womb, it tells us in verse 5. In verse 7, she went up to the house of the Lord. She was provoked and she wept and couldn't eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said, Why are you weeping? Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. And it says that Eli, the priest, sat on a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord and she went in bitterness. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Verse 12 tells us she continued praying before the Lord. But it says in verse 13 that Hannah spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. She didn't pray out loud, but she was praying with great fervency. Because when Eli said, How long wilt thou be drunk and put away thy wine from thee? Verse 15, Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, watch this, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. That's real praying. This is burdened prayer. This is like the prayer that's mentioned In James 5 verse 16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. Obtaineth or effecteth much. It was burdened praying. Are we burdened when we pray? We see from this woman the way she pleaded. The way she prayed. Showed the burden in her heart. But also we must comment upon. The one for whom she pleaded. She's praying for her daughter. Let me say this to you folks. If you can't pray with burden of heart for your loved ones. I don't know who you would ever pray for. With a burden of heart. If you can't have a burden on your soul. That brings tears to your eyes and a lump to your throat. For your own flesh and blood. Then I don't know who you could pray for. And surely we can and should be praying to God for our children. In Acts chapter 2, there's a wonderful promise that's given to the Lord's people. And without going into all the ins and outs of that promise, it is chiefly a promise concerning salvation and receiving the Holy Ghost. That's what the promise is for, that's what it's about. You see, Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For or unto the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's the promise. Look at this. For the promise is unto you and to your children. And there's no period in there. It says unto all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. But notice it. The promise is unto you and to your children. My pastor used to say, Brethren and sisters, I do not believe it's God's will that your children are fuel for hell. You know, it's a sad thing that I witness sometimes in churches. I'm thinking particularly of congregations that I know back in Ulster. And sometimes I look out on those congregations if I was preaching there and I see... The older heads. And I know a lot of these people. And I know a lot of them have families. And a lot of their children are not in church. They're not living for God. They're out in the mountains wild and bare. They're away from the tender shepherd's care. Their parents are at all the meetings. They're at all the prayer meetings. They're at all the Sunday morning and Sunday night meetings. But their children are lost. And I wonder why that is. And I know we can't save them. But are we praying to God for them? I'm afraid there are some parents who have the idea that their children are saved because they make a profession. And they don't want to even consider the thought that their children may be lost. They can't bear the idea of that. So they bluff themselves and convince themselves that their children are saved. And they're no more saved than the dogs in the street because the fruit is not there this praying of this <clears throat> this mother it was burdened oh how we need to be burdened for our youngsters but it was also blocked her praying was blocked it seemed to be anyway the lord erected barriers against her praying do you ever feel like that do you ever feel like your praying is blocked That the heavens are like brass. That your prayers aren't getting through. They're bouncing off the ceiling and coming back to you. Do you ever feel that way? I do. Here in the case of this woman it appeared that there were insurmountable obstacles in the way of her getting the answer that she wanted. You see this in the Lord's disinterest. At least it was apparently disinterest. Because he he, he looks like he's ignoring her. That's how it reads here, doesn't it? Matthew 15, verse 13. But he answered her not a word. Is that not how we feel sometimes when we pray? The Lord doesn't answer a word. There's nothing coming back. Did he not hear me? She would have continued to call upon the Lord. And she did. Because verse 15 shows us that she came and worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. She continues on. But that's in spite of the fact that the Lord seemed to ignore her prayers. Is there a mother listening to me this morning, either here or on the internet, or maybe we will listen to the sermon later on when you download it and listen to it, and you're thinking... Brother, that's me. I don't think God is hearing my prayer for my children. Well, don't you believe the devil's lie because quite often the Lord will let us pray and pray and pray and pray until the appointed time when He will answer. Waiting time is not wasted time. You've often heard me quote that little Him, unanswered yet, the prayer of many years. It says in the chorus, you shall have your desire sometime, somewhere. Don't give up. But there was disinterest here. Her prayer seemed to be blocked. And there was, as a result of that, discouragement. Look at the end of verse 23. Not only does it say, he answered her not a word. The Lord never even paid attention to her. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. What a terrible thing for God's people to do. What a terrible thing for God's people to discourage a seeker. If sometimes we dismiss people. Because they're not where we think they should be. They don't show the fruit that we think they should show. And we dismiss them. That happened to Saul. Later to become the Apostle Paul. Remember when he first got saved? They didn't want to receive him into the number. They didn't believe that he was a brother. And he came telling them that the Lord had saved them. And they didn't believe him. They didn't want to bring him into the number of the church, because they were afraid he was a persecutor and they thought he was up to his work. So they're pushing him away. Here's a woman who could have been greatly discouraged because her nationality was against her. She was a heathen, she was a pagan, a Soro Phoenician. Of course the devil was against her, because he had a hold of her daughter. She says this, O Lord, thy son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. The power of hell has got a hold of her. The devil's got her in his grip. So no doubt the devil was against her. Her own nationality was against her. The disciples were against her. Sometimes Christians don't reflect Christ very well. And the initial words of Jesus appeared to be against her too. But despite what was going on here by way of discouragement, despite the fact that her prayer seemed to be blocked, she just kept pressing on. And something else to note about her praying It was not only brief and burdened, and it was blocked, but it was believing. That's why Jesus said, great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Oh, for mothers and fathers indeed with great faith. I speak to myself as well as to you how faithless we can be in our praying. We bring our requests before the Lord We want the Lord to answer, we want the Lord to give us those requests, but there's a voice in our heads saying it's not going to happen. And here's a woman who was not faithless, she believed. Thy son of David You know that word means that phrase son of David Mashiach in the Old Testament, the Messiah. The son of David. That's the Messiah. That was messianic reference. Oh, the light that this woman had already. She knew that this man is the Messiah. The Lord had taught her. This is really remarkable, you know, because this is a Jewish title, son of David, employed by a heathen Gentile. So she's a woman of faith. She's believing. She's believing that Jesus is exactly... Who the Bible said he was. And she believed. That even though she was no more than. A little puppy dog in the street. That's the idea here. As the Lord said. It's not meet to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. That's another discouragement. Verse 26. She agreed with the Lord. Verse 27. Truth Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. What an argument she had in prayer. Well, I realize, Lord, that the food is not really for me. I'm not of Israel. I'm a Gentile. But surely, Lord, if the dogs can get the crumbs that fall down from the table, I can have something from your hand. And she was right. And she took those words of his. See, that's what she was doing here. She was taking the Lord's own words. Yes, I'm agreeing with you, Lord. The the bread is for the children. It's for Israel. It's not fit or meat or proper to cast it to the dogs. Truth, Lord, I'm agreeing with you. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Surely you wouldn't stop them from doing that, Lord. I can have my portion. And that's what caused the Lord to say, Oh, woman, great is thy faith. I've never seen anything like this in Israel. This is unique. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. So hope being kindled in this woman's heart, she found that her praying was blessed. It was blessed praying. And so it will be for you. You mothers who today... Are crying to God and you shed those bitter tears maybe in the secret of your own room. God will see those tears. God will hear those prayers. My pastor Dr. Paisley had a brother. An older brother called Harold. Harold by all accounts lived an ungodly life. For a period of time, and he was an older boy at the time, still in the home, but not living for God—far from it, living for the world. Harold testified they used to come home at night, maybe not in a good state. He'd go to bed, and through the wall of the bedroom he could hear his mother praying I knew old Mrs. Paisley Senior I was fairly young at the time when she passed away but I think in my early teens but I remember her she was a little Scottish woman feisty little woman she was she was a godly woman woman of prayer and Harold Paisley testified that his mother prayed him into the kingdom. He came to Christ. Not least because his mother prayed for him. So you see here, this woman's praying was blessed. The Savior gave her what she asked for. The determination that she had was rewarded. She kept begging. She kept on Asking. And her daughter was restored. The Bible says this in verse 28. You talk about an instantaneous change. Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. I'm going to give you what you want. Exactly what you've asked for. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. It wasn't a process it didn't happen over a period of months or years from that very hour she was changed God answers prayer give another illustration of a mother's prayers when I met June she was a missionary in Scotland under a mission board that was founded by a Scotsman called James Alexander Stewart it was because of a phone call from Dr. Stewart to my mother-in-law that June ended up in Scotland as a missionary to children Dr. Stewart when he was a youngster was a tremendous footballer when I heard that story of his it pricked up my ears soccer player, proper football you know with your feet Dr. Stewart was such a good player he was only 14 coming 15 I believe he was already breaking through into professional ranks he was, he was going to be a, a good player was already a good player his family lived near a, a big stadium there, the national stadium where the Scottish international team plays called Hampden Park Dr. Stewart was out there playing football and his mother was praying for his conversion he was under such conviction of sin I believe it might have been right there on the soccer pitch but it was certainly in that area at that time he lifted his heart to the Lord and asked the Lord to save him he went running home to tell his mother that God had answered her prayers before he could open his mouth to tell her she said, James I know what's happened this is true. I know what's happened. The Lord saved you, hasn't he? I said, How did you know, mother? She said, Because I've been praying. And furthermore, I've already booked you to give your testimony at a mission this coming weekend. It was at a I think it was a Friday night in a mission hall. Can you imagine? You talk about faith. Now obviously she'd probably seen signs of it. He was under conviction, but I tell you, that woman was a praying mother. God answers prayer, and I tell you these things for your encouragement. Don't be discouraged. Don't be put off. You say, well, I've been praying for years. Maybe so. But the Lord is able to answer prayer in a moment. In an instant. You could be praying for a very long time, and then all of a sudden that prayer is answered. That's what happened here. There's always hope, as Ryle said, (coughs) where there's a praying mother. We have a Heavenly Father who loves to answer prayer. I mentioned (coughs) Bishop Ryle. He has some wonderful comments on this story. In his expository thoughts on Matthew Let me read this to you. The prayer of this afflicted mother at first seemed entirely unnoticed. Jesus answered her not a word, yet she prayed on. The saying which by and by fell from our Lord's lips sounded discouraging. I'm not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yet she prayed on, Lord help me. The second saying of our Lord was even less encouraging than the first. It's not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. Yet hope deferred did not make her heart sick. Even then she was not silenced. Even then she finds a plea for some crumbs of mercy to be granted to her. And her importunity obtained at length a gracious reward. O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. That promise never yet was broken. Seek and ye shall find. And Ryle said this. Let us remember this history when we pray for ourselves. We're sometimes tempted to think that we get no good by our prayers. And that we may as well give them up altogether. Let us resist the temptation. It comes from the devil. Let us believe and pray on. Against our besetting sins, against the spirit of the world, against the wiles of the devil, let us pray on and not faint. For strength to do duty, for grace to bear our trials, for comfort in every trouble, let us continue in prayer. Let us be sure that no time is so well spent in every day as that which we spend upon our knees. Jesus hears us and in His own good time will give an answer Let us remember this history when we intercede for others. Have we children whose conversions we desire? Have we relations and friends about whose salvation we are anxious? Let us follow the example of this Canaanite woman and lay the state of their souls before Christ. Let us name their names before Him night and day and never rest till we have an answer. We may have to wait many a long year. We may seem to pray in vain and intercede without profit. But let us never give up while life lasts. Let us believe that Jesus is not changed and that he who heard the Canaanite's mother and granted her request will also hear us And one day give us an answer of peace. Woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. May the Lord help us to pray for his name's sake. Amen.